to another episode of the Vatmani Viewpoint podcast. My name is Manali Shah and today's conversation is going to be all about startups. We have with us Gauri Malik, the founder and director of Sirohi. Sirohi provides income opportunities to women from marginalized communities in India by recognizing their existing craft skills and providing them with tech-based design support to create home and lifestyle products. Gauri started off as an investment banker but was much more excited by social entrepreneurship. Gauri, thank you so much for taking the time out to be here. We really appreciate it. Why don't you start off by telling our audiences a little bit about yourself and Sirohi. Hi, thank you so much for having me on the show and this is super exciting uh, to talk about my journey because I could do it every day and uh, so I'm glad to be here. Um, quick background, so I am an investment banker turned social entrepreneur. So I come from this small town called Muzaffarnagar in Uttar Pradesh, uh, where my parents sent me to boarding school when I was almost just six, six years old. In my home, I always saw my mother when I would go back for the holidays, very dependent on my father. And this is something that would very that would frustrate me a lot because I felt she was very creative. She uh, had amazing skills to be able to use those skills to uh, you know, where she was creative in the form of craft, baking, cooking, and I felt she could use those skills to generate income for herself, right? Versus just asking my dad for money, whether it was to buy gifts for us or for the family or, you know, buy groceries or whatever it is, right? And I think this is a challenge which a lot of women, uh, whether you are in a small town, a big town, or even internationally, you face because uh, just of lack of opportunities, right, for women. Right. Uh, and and I would get really frustrated because I was like, why don't you just use your skills to do something? So uh, growing up, uh, you know, I went, I studied in Mumbai. I went to England for my masters, um, and I. You know, did my master's in finance and economics and while I was there also went to South America and worked with single mothers uh, in uh, in Peru in this small town called Trujillo uh, which is 8 to 10 hours from Lima, the capital of Peru and I worked with single mothers uh, to help them get access to loans so they could start their own businesses uh, you know in the form of microcredit but, and I think that's where my journey took a turn and I realized that you know, I could use my academic skills to do something more, but uh, the sequential lifestyle that we have, I did go uh, right after I came back from this experience in South America and I worked with Deutsche Bank as a quantitative analyst for, um, you know, three to four years and I worked in India and Tokyo. And, and after that is when I decided that I can't do this anymore and this is very mind-numbing, the money is great, but it is super mind-numbing and um, I needed my creative juices to flow and I I wanted to really, you know, understand and fuel my passion, I guess, and my, and, you know, do away with my frustration. So that's how, you know, the whole concept of Skilled Samaritan started in 2012. Okay, great. Let's talk a little bit more about that experience. Yeah. So yeah. At, the, at the age of 23, you started the Skilled Samaritan Foundation. You wanted to light up villages across India using solar power. And you yeah. did light up uh, villages and uh, schools uh, and impacted yeah. 25,000 lives. Uh, yeah. But eventually, when you charged a small fee to the locals, you found that they began to a few months down the line so yeah. uh, what I want to understand from you here is that when you decided to take a step back and evaluate how everything was going uh, how did you cope with that situation mentally I was so young and this was my first stint in the development space uh, I know I always 
you know and even now you know i do what i do is because i want to create impact and i want to make a difference uh, to the lives of those around me and that ripple effect is for the lives of you know people around them so the ripple effect is a lot bigger right um and then i realized that if i'm trying to make a difference to somebody's life and i want to help them uh, so you know and i wanted it to be a business model i didn't i don't believe in charity i i do feel that you know if you are healthy you are mentally fit physically as well then why why can you not use you know your physical or mental ability to be able to earn money for yourself you know and why and that's when i realized that unfortunately in india uh, there are there is a section of people that you that leverage the fact that they are poor to get free things um and and i think that backlash is something that i understood very early on as an entrepreneur especially a social entrepreneur because i realized that um uh we were working to light houses you know in areas where people did not have access to you know electricity for no no more than just 2 to 3 hours a day so they were walking in the dark at night they had no way to charge their telephone their mobile phones and uh and we were telling them that hey you need to pay just like 1/10th the amount of what you pay on a monthly basis to light up your houses whether it is with kerosene oil whether it's with candles whether it's with whatever right and you just pay like it was literally less than a dollar a month and they refused to pay it because they said you know we are poor people hame hame to free milna chahiye so i think that's where i took a step back because i couldn't understand that how is it that people are not able to see um uh, you know the value in what we're providing to them and why is it that they're okay with free and you know things like that and i think that was very disappointing to me um you know to spend like a very early on uh, you know stage very early on spend time in your life to create impact and make a difference to people's life but the backlash is from the community that you're trying to support right and i think that's the time i took a step back even though we created a huge impact and you know we did all this so but but and, and it wasn't their problem it was my problem because my model wasn't strong enough right and i was trying to give people what they possibly didn't want at that stage and i think as a uh, people working in the social space what we and i'll give you a simple example uh to help you understand what i'm saying is that you know when you walk into a restaurant and um the uh the waiter will offer you you know sparkling water tap water and bottled water usually these are the three options right, right? they don't even offer you tap water they say sparkling or still right and they're both in the form of you know bottles which you pay for right uh but as somebody who's educated i don't want to pay you know those extra few dollars or you know rupees for bottled water i know that i'm okay with tap water right um so i can ask for tap water similarly when you go to villages and you say that hey you know you you look around and say that oh they don't have electricity or they don't have water you think that oh this is what they need without asking these people right uh but if they knew that hey these people are here to support us and help us change our lives maybe they might say that hey why don't you give us access to jobs uh why don't you help our women get skilled so they can earn money right uh but i think that was the mistake i went there and saw that there was lack of electricity so let me support them with light uh but that's not what they needed they needed access to jobs and like earn more money they were happy to pay for their own light whether it was 100 or 500 rupees um So so I think that's where the mistake was and I and and while in in the early years I was very disappointed that you know here I am helping this community and they are like not even willing to pay like you know 1/10th of what they were paying like what is wrong with the people what is wrong with people but I think that that 
thinking flipped much later in life when I understood that we were giving them something they didn't want. So, so it was good. It was good in a way. Right. That's an important uh, realization that I'm sure has helped you in your entrepreneurial yes. journey. So, so yes. on. So, you mentioned uh, a business model uh, in your answer. So, related to that, what are uh, some of the elements that go into making a robust business model? I think you know whether you're a for-profit or a not-for-profit, a business is a business, right? Uh, I, I honestly am from um, the Banya community, so I've seen businesses. My dad was a businessman all my life, so I think uh, to me, having a, pro- a business is is only successful when you're able to scale it, right? And I, it totally depends on you know what your ambition is and where you're planning to take it. Uh, scalability with profitability to me is, I think, is what are the two key points that I would take into account in you know sort of. But if, for me to say that my business is successful, right? Um, and when it comes to so uh, for profit for a social impact business, if I'm able to change lives with what I'm doing, you know, that makes my business successful as well. Uh, you know, with the product that I'm creating, is it creating incomes for people? Is it changing the life of somebody for the better? You know, access to better clean, clean drinking water. You know, helping the planet. Um, so to me, I think like these elements are super important while having a successful business. And in 2019, you relaunched, you started up again, you under the same banner of Skill Samaritans, you launched Sirohi, uh, which is like I mentioned, a home and lifestyle products brand. So now, what did you do differently this time around to ensure success? And what is the difference between starting for the first time and starting up again or pivoting for that matter? Starting out again, I think being an entrepreneur just runs in my genes. Um, you know, I I can't. I think I've gotten kicked out of every job that I've ever done, uh, no matter how good or bad I was at it. Uh, and I, I think you know, <laughs> did, I think it was a sign that you got to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and keeping jokes aside, um, you know, I know that I I I'm very very extremely passionate um, about making a difference, and I am very passionate. I won't say passionate, but I am very. I've got and I. I Sometimes people, you know, I I know what makes my blood boil. I'm I'm generally an intuitive person, and 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 I know that seeing that frustration of dependency of women, because I I don't like it, you know, that frustrates me, and I want to bring about a change. And I, and I started with my inner circle, so I realized that if I can do what I what what is helping me make a difference to my life every day, you know, and if I could do that every day, then I would be a happier person, and that would help me as well. Um, I think from a business point of view, right? So, uh, to me, uh, a bunch of other factors of starting out again were that while I worked in 2012 with uh, villages in Haryana and uh, Uttar Pradesh, I kind of realized that during that time, there were all these amazing women, uh, you know, from these communities who had uh, excellent craft skills. They could use, uh, you know, the whole charpai form of weaving to make beautiful, intricate beds. Uh, but the challenge was that they were making all of this for their communities, and there were still very traditional designs. Nobody nowadays uses charpais. You know, it's a very defunct piece of furniture, except in villages, of course. And I said that if we take this weaving, if somebody had to take this weaving technique, uh, create something which is more functional out of it, and be able to market it. You know, to an urban mod- audience, I think you are going to be reviving a heritage craft, and you are going to be creating income opportunities for women who are genuinely not educated. Uh, and this is the only way to create employment for them because nothing else is is possible. 
so that's the time and that thought i think is what helped me revive skills samaritan is that creating income opportunities for women and and that was the original thought from when right. i was 6 years old to you know women like my mother who have amazing skills uh, mostly in craft and to provide them with design support using technology how you and i are sitting together a designer is able to uh, and of course everyone has access to smartphones right so giving access to somebody on the other end of the screen who might be from a low income background has amazing craft skill conduct a simple design training for her a master artisan to be able to create a product you know which is well designed more marketable using her own skills and 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 that can be sold you know on a online platform because everything is now digital and you know and and tech is booming so just that's how we leverage technology and that's how sirohi was born because sirohi is also the first village i started working at so that is the namesake of the brand now and uh, so yeah so and we say that we are a brand that has a story to tell because every aspect of what we're doing has this background and story associated with it wonderful and when you started work on sirohi uh, from a business model point of view was there anything you did differently and what were the factors that made you confident of success this time around um you know i don't think i started with the point of being successful i started with uh, i was very clear that i want to do this because uh, two things that i see potential of of uh, an amazing product being introduced to the market uh, because uh, you know what i noticed at that point is that a lot of artisan made products were generally you know always pushed in this corner as achhe ye to ngo ne banaya hai ya to ye to bas kisi artisan ne banaya hai ye to expensive nahi hona chahiye ye to cheap quality ka hoga so that's how the mindset was so uh, so i so there were just two things for me one is like creating an excellent beautiful product that was at par with urban global standards uh, by artisans of india and number two is making a difference to the lives of the women who had amazing skills so that was my only two points of starting restarting what i did is that i'm able to create a product that is able to sell money uh, that is able to sell uh, and make money for for the artisans for myself um and and so there's a business model to it and the second is you know if, and these women are working from their home so there's impact created so these were the only two things and and i think if i'm successful in doing these both these i am successful right uh, yeah. maybe from my point of view but let's say an investor point of view is different but right. obviously we're able to meet those standards too just because of you know where we are right and your goal at sirohi is to support thousands of women and in the past you've said that you don't want your brand to be driven by the impact narrative alone uh, there is the fact that the products that you create are well designed are extremely high quality are luxurious are sustainable so how did you ensure that your marketing strategy conveyed all of these uh, aspects So honestly I think I combined a lot of D2C brands in India are doing you know who are creating a great product and leveraging digital performance marketing to be able to talk about their story in a very creative yet um, you know powerful fashion and I think that's what helped us you know we didn't just talk about the artisan and this you know and because and and I always say that Sirohi is about the boss stories not about the soft stories and the moment you always noticed like artisan brands in India were always talking about how you know 
how you know somebody came and uplifted a bichari aurat from her no you know these are like strong women who want to make a difference to their lives so we just flipped the narrative and we spoke about how you know these how the women we work with actually bosses and and you know and we used leverage the story of the artisan uh, of the product uh, and put that out there so that the narrative already was very strong right we didn't come across as the bechara artisan yeah. brand who is begging for money ke hamare products kharido or you know we will get some money out of it we were just like no we are making amazing products so we are proud of the product we make our products are made by gangsters you know who want to make a difference to their lives and they're breaking barriers and and i think that's what uh, that was our It was a, it wasn't a strategy. I think we used the truth. <laughs> <laughs> And over the past couple of years, you've collaborated with consumer brands, with international consumer brands such as Innisfree and Uniqlo. And you've yeah. collaborated with events such as Lakme Fashion Week. So, could you share your learnings from that? In the sense that, what should be the focus of a startup when they are collaborating with these global giants? Absolutely, I think uh, when you talk about uh, international collaborating with international brands, what they're looking for obviously is uh, uh, quality in the product, right? They want because they are catering to consumers uh, at every level, and they want their consumers to get a good quality product, right? So that's one. Number two is you know there are lots of standards. Uh, you know there needs to be a certain level of professionalism. But I think collaborating while everybody wants to collaborate with international brands, I think there's always a time uh, to do it. You know when I think you're one is obviously you're confident of the product, you're confident of making volumes because sometimes brands want volumes in a very short time. Right, and 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 the problem of entrepreneurs is that we're trying to make it so big so fast um, that uh, you know it's very easy to fall and trip. Uh, so so what you need to do is know what stage you're at and what is your ability to not uh, un, you know over promise and under deliver. And that's something I learned very early on because I too was that starry-eyed entrepreneur who wanted to collaborate at a very young stage with international brands, and we failed miserably. You know, we delivered like broken products to a, a very high-level international brand uh, very early on, just because we got we were able to get the partnership, but we weren't able to deliver. And that's when I realized how precious such partnerships are. So the two three things that I worked on, you know. is that always had uh, one person managing uh, you know a partner relationship and being personally involved in that um, number 2 is uh, you know making sure the quality and we always commit to we always do what we can do commit to what we can do versus uh, you know under delivering under delivering under delivering oh god Completely, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, so, so I think for us and and with international standards, they obviously have certain procedures, checks in place. You have to be patient. You know, you can't be, you know, and say email ni aayi hai. Why is it not happening so soon? Because they have certain, uh, you know, they do have a pyramid structure. the way they operate they they do have certain standards they have to meet they have certain procedures documentation uh, certain certifications you have to you have to have as a brand so if you're claiming that you work with artisans and you're sustainable uh, brands will definitely ask you that do you have any certifications to prove that have you done any audits have any audits been conducted on your brand to be able to say that you are certified fair trade or like sustainable or you pay your artisans well So I think those are some of the things that you know somebody should keep in mind before doing any international collaborations. Right, that's very useful. And what should a startup do to hold its own uh, when working with such big brands? 
uh obviously i don't think you should uh, succumb you i think you need to see value obviously you are piggybacking on a much larger brand right uh, so you have to sort of i won't say come down but you can't i don't think you should let brands bully you and some people are okay with anything because they get to partner with a larger brand so i think you need to see you know uh the opportunity cost of partnering with a brand like is it going to give you like great marketing and visibility is it going to give you access to sales uh, is it giving you access to you know like uh, some sort of skill or resources uh, so if you're able to understand that what is this a uh, partnership going to lead to then you can you know say that okay maybe i reduce the prices because if i give them like so many products at a much lesser price then you know the marketing on their platforms is equivalent to the discount i might give them or you know so so i think you need to weigh weigh the weigh the you know the pros and cons and the ups and downs but definitely don't let brands bully you uh into doing stuff because that that tends to happen it's very it's very uh common uh because you know sometimes we're just like i said we're starry eyed to just partner with a brand and you don't realize when they're trying to get free things off you so um and and you and sometimes businesses can't afford that right so yeah so absolutely. you need to be a little careful of those things right and the last part to this question how important would you say is partnerships as a tool for growth you know i am a big big believer in partnerships collaborations because i do i think that there are two sides to it either there's performance marketing and you spend thousands of dollars on facebook right. google and instagram or you can use a collaborative approach and this is what we do at sirohi i don't think we have spent uh you know even 1% of or less than 1% of our uh you know monthly sales on marketing spends unlike brands we have a extremely collaborative uh uh you know sort of strategy where we partner with a lot of brands we have a we have two dedicated resources that only reach out to brands uh to find the most creative and strategic way to partner with them uh that leads to either sales or brand awareness or you know some sort of outcome for us and even of course for the brand uh yeah. so so for us i think it's it's absolutely important and and in fact like you should try partnering with not just you know um brands that are just in your category but you know explore like you know look at target audiences like which brands target audience might be relevant to you uh you know collaborating with another brand might lead to like marketing or like brand awareness for you so so i think you know spend some time doing that versus just shooting out bd emails so um so yeah so that's something that we do very very heavily at sirohi amazing that's great to hear and i'm sure a lot of the people who are tuning in uh, will have a lot to take away from your experience uh, whether they are in the b2c uh, space b2b or aspiring social entrepreneurs i think the learnings uh, remain the same and i'm sure this has been super helpful so once again thank you so much for your time gauri my pleasure my pleasure manali this was super awesome i generally look better than this i promise <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's great to give people an unfiltered view into uh, the, the life of an entrepreneur yeah and and especially women who are juggling 10000 things uh, you have a lot going on at the moment i'm sure so we really value this time that you've taken out no absolutely i love it like i said i love talking about sirohi i could talk about it day and day and night <laughs> more than people want me to so getting an opportunity to talk about it like full swing is like amazing with that we come to an end of this episode of the vadwani viewpoint podcast with gauri malik the founder and director of sirohi thank you so much for tuning in my name is manali shah and i'll see you in the next one